Welcome to Home Health 360, a podcast presented by Aliacare. I'm your host, Jeff Howell, and this is the show about learning from the best in home health care from around the globe. Welcome to another edition of Home Health 360, where we speak with the most electrifying people in home care and home health from across the globe. Today's guest is Kristen Wheeler, the Executive Director of Private Duty for the National Association for Home Care and Hospice, NAC. Kristen, I've been bugging you for a while to be on, and today the, it finally has come. Hey there, Jeff. Thanks so much for having me. I'm delighted to be here. Because I'm a fast-pitch softball coach as well, I have to ask you, your LinkedIn says that you're in Savannah, Georgia. Can I assume that you've been to a Savannah Bananas game? Yes, absolutely. You can assume that. Everybody in Savannah has been to at least one Bananas game. I feel like we have been fortunate enough to have attended a number of them. And yeah, it's every bit as fun as you think it might be. And to the listeners who don't know who they are, it's basically the Harlem Globetrotters of baseball. And they are definitely on my bucket list. I think they have something like 4 million followers on Instagram. Oh, I believe it. I believe (laughs) it. They've gotten quite the buzz. Need to get down here. We can get you some tickets. Okay. Sounds good. So for newer agencies that don't know much about NAC, can you bring us through what resources that you have for agencies that are just starting out? Yeah, yeah. I can say with personal experience that starting out in this industry can be very, very daunting to say the least. For those that don't know me, prior to coming to work in the association world, I was a co-owner of a, a home care agency in the state of Florida. So I know what it's like getting into the industry. Some of us just find ourselves there, right? But I think that there's quite a misconception out there, particularly lately for some reason. And I don't know if this is because home care has gotten to be such a buzzword and such big business or why. I can't point to why. But there seems to be this idea that you can just hang your shingle and start sending people into people's homes to provide care. I think you find out very rapidly that's really far from the reality of what this business is, particularly in some of the states that are just enormously regulated, like Florida, Texas, New York, California, you know, that that have to follow big time rules. So if you're not familiar with those regulations, you can really find yourself in a pretty, pretty big heap of compliance trouble, if you will, even if you have the very best of intentions, right? So Uh, You're going into it with the, you know, thinking you're doing the right thing and just being completely unaware that, that you're not following the rules. Being a part of an association like NAC gives you a silent partner, if you will. Like you have someone that you can reach out to with questions. We have our member communities too that are designed to allow people to sort of bounce ideas off one another, share best practices, network, things like that. So that's what um, what I would say as far as resources for just starting out would be mm-hmm. high on the list with NAC. It's funny you bring up HCAF because I just saw an email today. I'm still on that listserv group email. And so I'm privy to these questions that as a non-home care agency owner, I always just default to assume that the agencies know what they're doing. And there's questions like, hey, can we do a supervisory visit without a nurse? And then there's this crowdsourced answer from these people that I get a view into. And so I would imagine that for NAC, you've got the same sort of list serve group emails and forums where people can 
ask their questions and it's like a, it's almost like a the subreddit for home care. <laughs> yes. So the communities I just mentioned is what has just recently been launched with NAC. That's actually taken the place of our, what was our listserv. And now it's just a little bit more sophisticated than just your old fashioned listserv. We have a number of different communities so you can belong to whichever ones are meaningful to you, whether that's just the private duty community or all NAC members or hospice, home health, whatever kind of business lines that you're part of. Got it. Did you guys build that technology yourself or is it on something like Slack? Like what, what would the experience be like? I can't remember what it's actually on. I know we didn't build it ourselves. I'm sure it was outsourced, but I don't remember the name of the company that hosts it or houses it or whatever that proper thing. You're the software guy. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) In terms of service lines, this is what I wrote down. Tell me if I've missed anything here. You guys cover private duty personal care, cover home health, hospice, palliative care, infusion, and pediatrics. Yes. And, yeah. and then you also cover the payers, Medicare, Medicaid, Medicare Advantage, Medicare Managed Care, VA, private pay, commercial and long-term care insurance. And then you have communities and newsletters as well that align with all of those different buckets. Definitely. I would add, I know you said Medicaid Managed Care. I would throw into that just because, just so as to avoid any confusion, the Medicaid Home and Community-Based Services, okay. which is the same thing, but, you know, different states call things different things. And I would also point out that when we refer to, or when I, I should speak for myself, not for the entire association, frankly, but when I refer to private duty personal care, I lump all things private duty into that. That's another thing that I've learned having gone from a state solely to a national level not all states refer to things the same way. Right. So when you say private duty in one state, people think private duty nursing, which is generally just pediatric nursing. If I say pr- private duty home care in another state, they think of it the same way I do, which is like everything. So whether that's just caregivers, home health aides, personal care, all the way up to private duty nursing that could be not just for pediatrics, but for an older person that needs an actual nurse as opposed to something that could be delivered by a home health aide. It's very vast and it's all encompassing what NAC, what service lines NAC members provide. Just wanted to point that out. I'm going to give you my definition of private duty and I consider you to be the foremost expert on this. So you tell me how you would define it. I actually simply define it as the absence of Medicare. No, that's absolutely right. I always define it as Everything that Medicare won't pay for. Got it. (laughs) Same thing. (laughs) Okay, good. Good to know that I've gone to the source and I finally have the right definition. (laughs) So I did look up as well the annual fees. It looks like you have a smart pricing plan where it starts at $750 and it's really tied to the bucket of revenue that the agency is doing. Yeah. So sort of, yes. But there's one thing I do need to point out. So yeah, for regular provider members, annual dues do start at $750 per year and then are adjusted to annual gross revenue as years go by. However, for solely private duty companies, the smaller guys that are providing, whether we want to call it non-medical, non-clinical care, private private duty only companies, they can join NAC for a flat rate of just $550 a year and that doesn't scale. Okay. So good to know. 
Now, in terms of like the education drill down, do you have any numbers on like just how many webinars you guys are doing per year? You have your annual event, but I'm assuming you might have smaller regional type of get togethers. If I'm really interested in joining because I've come to realize that I got into this business and then, as you said, come to discover that my state is one of the enormously regulated states and I might be in a little bit in over my head. I'm coming to NAC to make sure that you guys are the group that's going to educate me as I go ongoing throughout this business. Give me a sense of just like how frequent and how in-depth like these trainings are. Sure. You know, the number of webinars really varies. We used to hold to a once a month private duty webinar but it felt like we were hosting webinars just to host them. And when I came on board, I think everybody's been webinared to death with this pandemic. I think everyone's so sick of just staring at their computer screen that the amount of people dialing into them was dwindling. Lots of people register for them, but the people that actually showed up for the live event was much lower than anticipated. And I think that's because people know that they can get the recording and then just watch that. Sure. Yeah. So when it comes to Medicare and all things to do with Medicare, there's always so much going on. There's always more information that needs to be shared. There's a new rule. There's a rate cut. God knows what's happening. We do a fair few webinars that have to do with those sorts of things, OASIS training, et cetera, et cetera. But with private duty being so state specific, we don't host a ton of webinars related to starting up or anything like that. We try and host things that we can collaborate with, with others, such as the webinars that we do with Postinelli Group. You may have seen those. That is a collaborative effort between NAC, the Home Care Association of America, and Angelo Spinola of Postinelli, where it's like the industry update, they're done quarterly, and the legal updates, things that apply nationally, workforce stuff, things that are applicable to every state. It makes more sense as opposed to just hosting something that would be only for Ohio or only for one of the states. I can't really put a number on the number of webinars because it just peaks and valleys depending on what's going on out there. Sure. Got it. And you guys are the lobby group for both home care and hospice. What are you saying as like the top pressing issue or pressing issues that you guys have been lobbying for the next Oh man, workforce, 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 workforce. (laughs) So we obviously can't say that enough, but everybody's hearing it every time you turn around this workforce crisis, right? They're at a critical point. So that from a home care perspective is our big focus this year for our legislative and policy priorities. NAC has done for a number of years our legislative and regulatory blueprints. They're humongous documents. They're about Mm -hmm. 300 pages each. They're available on our website, and it lists every year what NAC's legislative and regulatory priorities will be for that year. Those are approved by our board of directors before they ever get into that document. And it's from that document that we pull our quote-unquote asks for Congress for that year. So, you know, this year, workforce is in there a number of places. It actually has its own heading at this point. But as a result of this, one of the biggest things that NAC is doing this year, there's actually been two reports that have been released very recently that we did in partnership with a couple of other groups. The first one was in partnership with the fine folks over at Mission Care Collective, which many of you probably know of as mycnajobs.com. 
but that's Mission Care Collective is their parent company. Okay. They drew upon data from like 67,000 plus caregivers and ultimately identified seven distinctly different personas of caregivers. Okay. And then the report takes this deep dive into each of the personas, talking about how very different they are, what their likes are, what their hobbies are, what they donate to, like way into the weeds with what each of these people is, like how they are. And then it goes into the different ways in which to recruit and retain each of the personas. So um, it really sort of points out that there's not a one-size-fits-all recruitment and retention strategy any longer. So it was very cool to see that when it came out. It came out a few months ago. Okay. The other one that was literally just released this week and taken to Capitol Hill during NAC's March on Washington, which was Tuesday. This was a collaborative effort between NAC and the Home Care Association of America for the first time ever, bringing the two associations together and leaders from across the home health industry spectrum, from traditional private duty all the way up to every service line, uh, huge providers, So the end product of that report, it not only addresses the needs of both the nursing and home care workforces, but also offers policy recommendations, best practices on how we can address the crisis. It's more of a call to action with actual actionable steps that we as an industry can take to fight this crisis right now once and for all. So it's super cool. I think I saw that posted on LinkedIn. Probably, yeah. Do you remember what the title was? I remember Crisis was in the title, I think. Yep. And Call to Action is in the title too. It's called, I've got it right here. Let me just peek at it. The Home Care Workforce Crisis, an Industry Report and Call to Action. Got it. Yeah. I remember seeing Sheila Davis at Always Best Care had posted it on her LinkedIn. So shout out, Sheila. You were the first person that made me aware of it. (laughs) She's fabulous, that woman. She's wonderful. And speaking of LinkedIn, so I saw a recent video on your profile where you were talking that with the shortage, the most recent numbers that I saw is that the home care or home health referral rates, there's about a one in three get rejected, but you were saying that you're seeing up to 50% now on referrals. Yeah. Yeah. Some reports are showing when we were getting ready to pull this, uh, some data together to go to March on Washington, we surveyed a bunch of members. And the reports we were getting was it was somewhere around 50 to 51% of home care cases are being turned down because they just don't have the staff. Yeah. I was speaking with a Medicaid agency, a big Medicaid agency in Ohio yesterday, and she said she could do 5X the business if she could solve her staffing problem. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's really remarkable. And so what's the flip of that? So the other side of that are all of these people that aren't getting served that aren't getting the care that they need. And who's making up for that? Probably family members, friends, or they're just going without. It's a huge problem. And we're all going to be there, unfortunately. But at some point, all of us are going to need some sort of assistance. We've got to fix this. Yeah. Yeah. And like in in that video I saw on your your profile, you go on to talk about like like any nurse can walk into a facility and make more money and same with home health aides. And so there's this, the same person with the same credentials can just go get, not even have to leave the industry and go get a job in another industry, but that can just be working out of the convenience of a, a building and not have to travel during the day and actually make more money at the same time. Sure. So one of the big items in this latest report, one of the action items is to increase the awareness of the industry 
and to improve the image of the industry. It's one thing with nurses. If you ask anybody on the street what a nurse is, they'll have a fairly general idea sure. that a nurse, what a nurse does. If you ask somebody on the street who's never been involved in home care, what a home health aide does or a home care aide or a home care caregiver or something or any of those titles, a lot of them don't know. There's a fantastic quote, and I mentioned this the other day to, I was talking to Home Healthcare News. There's a great quote in there by um, industry leader named Patty Rogers. She talks about how when people have cleaning people, you have a cleaning person come to your house, you wouldn't even think twice about paying that person a hundred bucks to come to your house and clean, but you would immediately balk at spending that kind of money on paying for private duty home care services. So many people just don't even equate the two things as being equally important, but the latter obviously will allow people to stay at home. The first one, equally important. I like a clean house too, but that's not necessarily going to keep you out of an assisted living facility. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So it's pretty wild. So there's a lot of talk about people leaving the industry completely. And I know that's true for both nurses and what's referred to in the report as direct care workers to all encompass all of those different types of providers. But oftentimes when a nurse leaves a job, he or she goes on to be a nurse at another place. Sure. Still a nurse, right? Right. When we're seeing these caregivers and home health aides leave the industry, they're leaving because they can make far more money in retail and Uber and wherever in service industry, et cetera, et cetera. So That's a huge part of the issue that we need people to understand how critical this industry is and that it's a great industry to work in because it is. Yeah, sure. You know, like one thing that doesn't even get the attention that it really should is that as baby boomers are aging, there's a similar number of nurses that are also in that cohort as well. So there's just so many nurses that are flat out retiring as well that that's part of the crisis too. Sure, absolutely. There's just not enough people coming into the industry. That's the bottom line is that it's not an industry that's getting enough attention. Fortunately, I think that's turning just because we're hearing home care so much more now than we have ever in the past. But every one of our nurses and home health aides that are working in the industry right now are aging day by day, just like the rest of us are. It's absolutely true that we need to incentivize people somehow or other to get into this industry. Yeah. And then you lay over, over top of that, three years of burnout were there on the front lines, especially the early going where it was political, it was scary, and just so much bad, terrifying news that oh, yeah. you know they were courageously leading the front end of it. And unfortunately, we're seeing these stories of violence against healthcare workers. It's horrifying to hear about something happening to someone when they're working in the home or even in a facility, whatever. It sounds sometimes like a scary business to get into and we need to fix that. There's almost no attention that goes to, you brought up the concept of family caregivers. I had done some research on this many months ago. If you take the healthcare crisis is the economic crisis. There's family caregivers that have to put their career on pause or permanently on hold to take care of family members. And they're removed from the participation rates in the workforce. It has this invisible second order effect when people have to not be part of the economy to take care of loved ones. 
There are states that are really working hard to change that. Colorado has a program. It's a family, I think it's called like a family CNA program. Don't, don't hold me to it. But basically the way it works is that a parent, this is for pediatrics specifically, but a parent can be trained to provide a number of services. They can be trained as a CNA. They're not trained as a nurse, but they're trained as a CNA, certified nursing assistant to assist with some of the services being provided to their child. They're then hired by a home health agency and are paid to provide the services. This is reimbursed through that state's Medicaid plan to the agency. The agency pays the parents. So that way the parent can come out of the workforce, take care of their own child, which they're doing anyway, and still be able to make a living. Yeah. Well, that's great. So I'm guilty of being mostly a headline reader. I'm not fully up to date on how this $150 billion in funding for home care is going to start to roll out. Where are we at with all of that? President Biden included that dollar amount in his proposed fiscal year 24 budget. Obviously, we as an industry would love to see that particular line item gain approval, but we all know that this budget will be picked apart and changed greatly, I'm sure, before it's finally approved. But again, like I said earlier, we're hearing home care so much more. This administration has indicated more than any before the critical importance of home-based care, as well as home health and hospice services. So we're hearing about all of them. So I'm sure we'll be hearing and seeing a lot more about that, that $150 billion with a yeah. B. I love that. But we'll see what it all shakes out to be. Yeah, sure. sure. Yeah. And yeah, it's needed and it's going to create jobs. And I'll reference that video I saw of you one last time on your LinkedIn. There's 8.2 million more caregiver jobs that are becoming available just to satisfy the need of the aging baby boomers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What is it? 10,000 people turn 65 every day? Yeah. Now, of course, 10,000, not everybody, the minute you turn 65, you're not going to need home care necessarily. Yeah, sure. yeah. But, but yeah, it's a huge amount of people turning 65 every day. Yeah. Well, your annual conference last year was in St. Louis, third week of October. What are the plans for this year? This one's going to be a fun one. And as a matter of fact, the call for speakers literally went out yesterday, I believe it was. So, Oh, I'll check um, my inbox. I'm sorry. (laughs) Yes, indeed. If you haven't seen it, I'll forward it to you because you definitely need to submit. But we're scheduled this year for a tiny bit earlier. It's October 15th to the 17th this year. And we'll be in National Harbor, Maryland, which is, we'll be at the Gaylord. Most, a lot of people know the Gaylord. Okay. But I'm very excited to announce that this year we are also reintroducing next private duty summit. Okay. which we haven't formally held since I believe it was 2016 was the last one. I could okay. be wrong. It might've been a year later, but that is going to be held at the same time. It's going to run concurrently as the main conference, as the big conference, Okay, but will be its own individual conference. So sort of like a conference within a conference, if you will. Got it. So attendees will have a very comprehensive, very specific private duty presentation sessions to go to. I don't want to call it a track because then it's just like another track, but they'll also have access to the keynote speakers, the expo center, all of the things that we wouldn't be able to do necessarily if it was just a standalone event. Got it. So what else is NAC up to this year that the world should know about? NAC's affiliate that I'm sure you've probably heard of the Home Health Financial Managers Association Mm -hmm. or HHFMA. They do an annual conference, the Financial Managers Conference, usually in July, and it'll be in July again this year. 
This time, for the first time ever in the history of that conference, we're going to have a full private duty track as well. Okay. And we're having it in New Orleans this year. So it should be a really fun one. That one's July 16th to the 18th. And then as far as I'm concerned, I'll be speaking at a number of other events this year. I'll be at CASA, the California Association. I'll be at their conference. I'll be at Decision Health. Okay. So we're just trying to get out there and make yeah. sure people know. I think there's been a misconception for a number of years that NAC's priority or NAC's focus has always been on Medicare agencies. That's simply not true. It's just that Medicare just has a louder voice and always has and always will, for that matter. CMS is big. It's, it's a big business. But NAC is just as focused on and cares just as much about our private duty folks too. Got it. Okay. Kristen, we're almost up against our time here. I'll get you out of here on this. Give us a reason to be optimistic about care delivered in the place that clients call home. Nice. The only thing I can say is if there's one silver lining to be had from this pandemic, it's that it has absolutely thrust the need for home care into the spotlight more than anyone could ever have imagined five years ago. Mm -hmm. I mean, we never would have been talking about home care this much five years ago, four years ago, whatever. Everyone knows about home care now. It, that was not the case before. We've never in our history heard home care talked about in the halls of Capitol Hill as much as we have now. Sure. President Biden mentioned home care specifically during his State of the Union address. That awareness in and of itself can only lead to a higher level of respect for those frontline workers, which in turn will hopefully lead to a higher respect for those jobs and an increased desire to be part of that workforce. So yeah. I think we're in really good shape. And I think being part of home care in the future is very exciting. Yeah, that $150 billion, even if that gets stripped down to some other version, that is also a big number to start with. And hopefully Absolutely. we start to see that money come in and help solve some problems that we see. For sure. sure. Keep up the great and noble work at NAC. And I'm so happy we finally got to do this, Kristen. Thank you so much for having me, Jeff. It was lovely to see you as always. Home Health 360 is presented by Aliacare. First off, I want to thank our amazing guests and listeners. To get more episodes, you can go to aliacare.com forward slash home health 360. That's spelled home health 360 or search home health 360 on any of your favorite podcasting platforms. The easiest way to stay up to date on our new shows is to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. We also have a newsletter you can sign up for on aliacare.com forward slash homehealth360 to get alerts for new shows and more valuable content from Aliacare right into your inbox. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.